one, or two, or three, or four, but five, force five. Welcome to the Force 5 Podcast, a show where I challenge my guests to come up with a movie-themed five list, and then we discuss those picks on air. I'm your host, Kleberg, and today my guest is Jesse Turner, host of the Manly Matters Podcast. How's it going, Jesse? It's going well. How are you? I'm fantastic. Uh, where Where are you at in the country? So I'm actually in Montgomery, Alabama right now. Is it hot there today? Oh my God, it's miserable. <laughs> it's so hot. Yeah, that's um the South is one of those places where I don't think that my body could survive. Yeah, it's brutal. I'm I'm from South Georgia and uh I, I joined the Air Force at eighteen and the first place they sent me was Anchorage, Alaska. So oh. yeah, uh it took me a little while to get adjusted to that and you know, after after being there for three years, I finally felt like my body was accustomed to, you know, the north, the the cold, the snow. And then what do they do? They send me right back to Georgia. And I was there for six years, and now I'm back in Alabama. Back into the sweat box. Well, tell us a little bit about you. Tell us about uh, maybe what you do and maybe a little bit about your podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm, I'm a data analyst for the Air Force. Uh, I'm a number cruncher, essentially. And uh, before that, I was actually a combat readiness school instructor where I taught students who were going, to, uh, going on the deployments to typically more hostile environments. We taught them what we call life-saving skills, things like how to detect um, improvised explosive devices, how to do uh, your basic close quarters combat with uh, weapons and, and some hand-to-hand combat. So I did that for a while and, and I absolutely loved it. I loved the aspect of getting in front of people and talking. I, I just felt natural. That was my zone. And so now moving into a more autonomous job of crunching numbers, I decided, man, I got to do something to to get in front of people and talk again. So I started up a YouTube channel called Manly Matters where I discuss things about uh, toxic masculinity in kind of a devil's advocate lens where I, I say, hey, you know, first of all, men, we need to address that there are traits that we have that are toxic. And at the same time, we're not toxic just inherently for being born men. And so it's kind of a, a battle between those two ideals. And, and I have guests on who are typically subject matter experts who uh, provide a little more insight into things like that and, and how to help men on their journey of being healthy. Just from listening to your podcast, I'm sure that your love of psychology is something that helped you with picking your list for today, which is five movie mind benders. Absolutely. Before we do that, we're going to talk about what we've been watching lately, and I'm going to kick it off with a Spanish-language film from 2011 called Miss Bala. Miss Bala is written and directed by Gerardo Naranjo, and it stars Stephanie Sigmund, Noe Hernandez, and Javier Zaragoza. After entering a beauty contest in Tijuana, a young woman witnesses drug-related murders and is forced to do the gang's bidding. There's two Miss Ballas. There's this is the original Miss Ball from 2011. There's also a remake from the late 2010s. Skip that one. I even watched the trailer of that one after I watched the original, and it's it looks nothing like the original. Now this is not an action movie, and I I was under the impression that it was an action movie going in. It's not. It's very slow. It's got a very deliberate pace. It's really well done on a smaller budget. It actually almost reminded me of. The 2000 movie, the Soderbergh movie Traffic, just on a much smaller scale. Okay. And it's really about how, you know, law enforcement and civilians have to deal with this drug trade. 
Uh, she ends up being somebody who they force to traffic drugs to different places. And well, that's among her tasks. It's definitely not an uplifting movie. This is not one that you're going to walk away from happy. It's just like in real life. You know, there are certain people in the movie who don't get their comeuppance. You're going to leave frustrated. A lot of the action that's happening is happening off screen or the camera work is done so that you won't be able to see a lot of the action. And there's a scene where she comes around this corner in this car and all of a sudden she's in the middle of a gun battle to the point where glass is shattering, landing in her face, and the drug traffickers bundle her up and take her straight to a beauty pageant where she changes and then, you know, within minutes she's on stage. And it was kind of this really cool juxtaposition of the ugliest side of Mexico into this beauty pageant. There's a lot of power in that. It was a really cool transition. It's tough to recommend the movie just because you have to be kind of interested in that side of Mexico. It's really grungy, but it will teach you a lot about how things run over there. And um, I think it'll legitimately scare you as well. Right. Miss Bala from 2011. What have you been watching? So the whole quarantine is, you know, it it has an effect on people's mental health. And I've noticed it within myself feeling, you know, more down sometimes than, than I usually would be. So I wanted to kind of go back to things that brought me back to a better time, right? Back when things were normal and things were happy. And honestly, I believe this might be my fourth time watching it through, um, but it's a television show and I'm, I'm watching the office right now. Again, I, it doesn't matter how many times I watch that show. It's like, it's the first time every time because few things legitimately make me laugh out loud, but the office has a way of doing that, that I don't know any other show I've seen uh, has that power. Yeah. The office is one of those timeless shows that my wife always has on in the background. It's one of those things where it's that comfort food where you know if you're doing dishes and you can't fully pay attention to something just put on the office because you've seen it so many times you already know what's happening right and it's just the one-liners that's what's great about it too is the overarching story behind it's great but each episode is such a story within itself and there's so many one-liners and so many just funny moments you don't have to necessarily be paying attention to the entirety of the episode or the entirety of the series you know you can throw on an episode and it's just as funny on its own i'm going to be really disappointed when nbc takes it off of netflix i actually think it will definitely have an impact on netflix's uh, subscribers Oh, I agree completely. Let me ask you this. Are you a basketball fan? I am. I have recently been watching The Last Dance, an ESPN docu-series that is now on Netflix. You guys not allowed? No, I'm just kidding. What time is it? Ding, dong, My mentality was to go out and win at any cost. Jordan is the most talented player in the NBA by far. The show of the 90s, the team of the 90s. How you Whenever they speak Michael Jordan, they should speak Scottie Pippen. We created an image that people want to live up to. I think that's all you can hope for. Have you gotten a chance to catch this yet? You know... I am vastly disappointed myself, but I have not. (laughs) And I have gotten 
so much ribbing from all my friends for not watching it, but it just so happened when it first aired was when my podcast was first kind of taken off and I just couldn't find the time or didn't make the time rather to watch it, but I really need to. It's daunting. It's 10 hours of material here. Let me just say, even if you are not a basketball fan, this will entertain you. The Last Dance is essentially during the Bulls championship runs in the 90s. They had a dynasty going on in the 90s, and they essentially had one more season to try and get it done. The owner already said that the coach, Phil Jackson, would not be back. And Michael Jordan said, if the coach isn't coming back, I'm not coming back. And they put this plan together called The Last Dance, where they were going to try to get their sixth championship. And they let this camera crew have unprecedented access to the locker room. And this is the culmination of all that footage that they shot during that last season of the Bulls dynasty. The documentary is is actually neat because it takes you through the formation of that Bulls team. So it's not just that sixth championship run. It goes through every championship run that they had and everything that led up to that point. It doesn't pull punches. Man, the, the access that they got for interviews was insane. I don't think there's one person that they missed. Yeah, that's what I've heard. People like Pat Riley, who have maybe a minute on screen. Kobe Bryant, a minute on screen. Just the access that they had to these folks. Everybody's really honest with their interviews. They've got Isaiah Thomas on there, who is not a Michael Jordan fan. Not and you've got... Of course, Michael Jordan cannot stand Isaiah Thomas. So the stuff they're saying about each other is eye-opening. The clips that they show are amazing. I I do admit that Michael Jordan is the best basketball player of all time. But as a Philadelphia 76ers fan, I'm not. (laughs) Yeah, like he he wasn't my favorite player. Iverson was my favorite player. It was still magical to see all those moments again that make you realize this guy was the best player on earth. And if you don't think Michael Jordan is the best player on earth, you probably just didn't watch him. Yeah. And his, his just drive, I think is what makes him. And honestly, you know, kind of crossing over into football is, you know, talking about Tom Brady is I'm an Atlanta Falcons fan. So I am not the biggest new England Patriots or Tom Brady fan, but just his drive to win and then make everyone else better around him is so much like Jordan that you weren't going to come in and bring your B game around Jordan. Uh, I mean, he was he was going to let you have it. And I think that that's really what turns someone who's great into that just superstar level. And I think that Jordan was better at that than probably anybody that's ever played basketball. They actually touch on that a lot in this. They straight up ask certain participants, was Jordan an asshole? And their response is, he kind of had to be because we needed that as a team. And they have clips from him in practice where he's just essentially beaten up on guys verbally and physically saying, if you can't take it from me, you're not going to be able to take it from the bad boy Pistons. You're not going to be able to take it from the Knicks. It shines a light on why they were winners, but it also it's a really cool time capsule. They have a lot of period music in there. So you've got a ton of great rap songs in there if you're into hip-hop, a ton of great footage, a ton of great clips. They go through all the big games. They go through all the championship runs. It entertained me so much. And I put it on in the back. Originally, I put it on in the background because I was painting. I was painting a room inside of my house, and I wanted something on in the background. And I swear, it took me twice as long to paint this room because I kept <laughs> stopping 
and watching and then and then rewinding so I could see that dunk again. It was just oh, it's so good. That's uh, The Last Dance. It's on Netflix now. It's so good. Go watch this. It might be my favorite documentary series of all time. What else have you been watching? A movie that I've actually just watched for the second time the other night because I, I loved it so much and I wanted to go back and see what maybe I missed the first time was Knives Out. I'm Detective Lieutenant Elliot, and this is Trooper Wagner. We just want to ask a few questions. We understand the night of his demise, the family had gathered to celebrate your father's 85th birthday. How was it, by the way? The party, pre my dad's death. Oh, it was great. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to request that you all stay until the investigation is completed. What? Can we ask why? Has something changed? No. No, it hasn't changed, or no, we can't ask. So a friend of mine is not exactly, how do I word this? He doesn't exactly have the greatest taste in movies. <laughs> and he told me, hey, this was, you know, this was actually a really good movie. And I was like, okay, well, why was it a good movie? And he's like, trust me, you will like this movie. And he knows me pretty well. Usually I, I like a more, I guess, cerebral movie. And he's more of a uh, The Expendables type. Not that there's anything wrong with movies like that, you know. But We've all got a friend like that. Exactly. He's, he's going to want to watch action and, and not a lot of thinking involved in the movie. But for him to tell me that he thoroughly enjoyed it, I was like, okay, well, I got to check this movie out. And I absolutely loved it. The acting in it was phenomenal. The story was great. And it was just as good the second time around as it was the first. Directed by Ryan Johnson, written by Ryan Johnson. It's about a detective played by Daniel Craig who investigates the death of a patriarch of an eccentric combative family. Great cast. I already said Daniel Craig, but you got Chris Evans in there, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, Lakeith Stanfield. Um... Frank Oz is in there. Anna Darmus. Like there's so many good people in there and the wordplay back and forth is fantastic. It really, the dialogue is what makes the movie and how, I mean, you listed out all the the actors and actresses in the movie and they're all such great character actors and, and actresses and they just really envelop themselves in the role and it doesn't feel like you're watching a movie. It feels like you're actually watching a dysfunctional family. You know, it's great. When I went into Knives Out, I thought it was going to be like this clue type of movie where it's a whodunit. Right. And you actually find out what happens pretty early on. And then it's as a viewer, you're thinking, well, what's next? And there's just so much to go. It's it's quite a thing that Ryan Johnson was able to make something like this that's original and uh, have such success with it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, my wife actually fell asleep the first time we watched it because afterwards when i was done watching i was like i can't believe you fell asleep that movie was so great she's like how we found out what happened in the first 15 minutes of the movie and I'm like you have no idea what you missed so she went back and watched it and was like yeah i can't believe i fell asleep so that's why we re-watched it again about two nights ago because it's just such a great movie and let me say this too i'm a huge star wars nerd love star wars and i had a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth for ryan johnson and it's why I didn't watch the movie earlier than I did for those Star Wars fans out there. Um, the, the latest trilogy, I felt that Ryan Johnson kind of uh, kind of messed it up 
with the middle movie. And uh, so I, I, I wasn't the biggest fan of his, but he made me a fan after Knives Out. He's always been somebody that I've liked, uh, even back to movies as early as Brick. And I really liked Looper as well. Are you right. looking forward to uh, Daniel Craig being Benoit Blanc again? There's rumors of a sequel already. I hope so. Uh, he And you know, being from the South, <laughs> I was like, how is Daniel Craig going to do a Southern accent? And he was actually surprisingly good at it. I, we don't all talk in that old, you know, Plantation Dixie style, but he did a really good job of, of being that Southern guy. Yeah, he actually kind of reminded me of Andy Bernard trying to do a Georgian accent in that episode <laughs> of The Office. Yeah, that's that's about right. All right, so that's what we have been watching. Let's get to our list. Five movie mind benders. You already kind of said that psychology took a part in you choosing this list. When you think of five movie mind benders, like, what does that mean to you? What 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 was the criteria for your list? Yeah, so I, I thought about it a couple of ways. I, I said I can either go with your inception type mind benders, right? Or for me, when I think of a true movie that affects the mind, I think of something that kind of lasts with you and something that maybe is a little more existential. So that's kind of the route that I went with with my movies, something that maybe change something about my mind forever, if that makes sense. Absolutely, it does. And I, I thought around the same line. So just like you, I thought, well, I could do five movies that I didn't really understand or movies that I have to look up a YouTube video afterwards to <laughs> have it explained to me. But in the end, uh, I chose most of my movies are movies that I thought about for days on end afterwards and had conversations with people to say, like, did we get the same thing out of it? Things that really, really stuck with me. And some of these movies on this list, I think about often still, right. even today. Well, let's start with your number five. So what is your first movie mindbender that you want to talk about? So the number five might be a little bit of a surprise but it's the truman show comments are still headed what else is on yeah let's do what else First. coming to you now from the largest studio ever constructed it's the truman show yeah good morning good morning oh and in case i don't see you good afternoon good evening and good night <laughs> what if no scripts no cue cards. Morning, Spencer. How's it going? What if you were watched every moment of your life? How many cameras you got there in that town? 5,000. I believe Truman is the first child to have been legally adopted by a corporation. That's correct. Brilliant. What if everyone you knew was pretending? Hi, honey. Look what I got at the checkout. Dishwasher safe. <laughs> That's amazing. What if your world was make-believe? Cue the sign. While the world he inhabits is counterfeit. I'm not allowed to talk to you. That's how I look. Not your type. There's nothing fake about Truman himself. What if you didn't know it? Until now. So with the Truman show, I've the first time I watched it, I was actually, you know, younger. And I remember it's kind of a fun movie, you know. But afterwards, I was like, I wonder if that could be real. And while obviously it's not still from time to time, I go back to it and I'm like, that 
whole movie is kind of messed up when you think about it, you know, even though it's played off as this kind of fun thing, you know, thinking about this one man being subjected to being entertainment for the entire world, essentially, um, it, it's it's kind of a dark tone to the movie. Yeah, it is. Um, if you've never seen The Truman Show, essentially, it's about an insurance salesman who discovers that his whole life is actually a reality TV show and that that person, Truman, is played by Jim Carrey. I know exactly what you're saying, because it does seem like they played it as a fun Jim Carrey movie. But when you really think about it, like <laughs> that's that's really messed up what they did to this guy. Yeah, it, it's dark. Like his whole life up to, you know, he's like 30 years old and it's it's all a lie. Right. And I, I think about that sometimes of, of kind of the in the more existential, I guess, thought process of it is, you know, not not speaking on my religion or anyone else's religion, um, but it, it's it's almost kind of a metaphor for a religious belief in a way in that you know, if, if you, if you believe in a deity or you believe in God, that's kind of what you are, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's another one of those, do lab rats know that they're lab rats? Do they know that they're forever imprisoned? And exactly. uh, yeah, depending on your thought process, you could be that lab rat. Yep. My number five is probably the most mainstream on here. And it's a movie that I'm sure most people have heard of called Interstellar from 2014. This world's a treasure. It's been telling us to leave for a while now. Your daughter's generation will be the last to survive on Earth. You're the best pilot we ever had. Get out there and save the world. Everybody ready to say goodbye to our solar system? To our galaxy. Here we go. Directed by Christopher Nolan, written by the Nolan Brothers, starring Matthew McConaughey, Anne Hathaway, Jessica Chastain, and just a ton of others. This is another one of those stacked cast movies. It's about a team of explorers that travel through a wormhole in space in an attempt to ensure humanity's survival. And basically, the wormhole leads to the far reaches of the solar system where there's a planet that may have the right environment to sustain human life. There's a couple things about this movie that are mind bending. It's it deals a lot with space. It deals a lot with actual science. It deals a lot with wormholes. But the thing that kind of pushes this over the edge for me are the dimensions that it plays with and the experience of time. Right. For example, you know, they, they have to go down and visit these certain planets. And based on that planet's rotation, time goes differently it's it's just at a different speed in certain areas so you know they go down to visit this planet and they come up and it's years later where it's only been it's been less than a day for Matthew McConaughey his daughter down on earth has aged you know t- 10 years 20 years whatever it might be that kind of stuff had me thinking about it afterwards and then this fifth dimension that comes into play later in the film where you see some traveling through time it's something that i've i've watched countless youtube videos on this to understand it (laughs) and uh, i think i have a pretty good understanding of it now but when anybody ever says you know this is the first pick in my head when somebody says hey what's a movie that you just did not get this is that movie when i walked out of the theater thinking i know i liked it but i don't know what the hell happened yeah that 
I was kind of the same way after watching that movie and me and my wife watched it together and we just kind of looked at each other afterwards because, you know, not only is it a total mind bend, it, the movie will also break your heart. You know, there's a lot of emotion in the movie and it's just the whole movie is a roller coaster ride. It's a fantastic movie, but yeah, it kind of leaves you almost speechless at the end. It's really well done and it is one that will leave you talking about it, thinking about it afterwards. This is the only one on my list where I walked out of the theater thinking that this was the only one that I chose where it was because I didn't understand it. The rest that I get to will be more along the lines of what I was thinking afterwards. So my number four is actually the one on my list that I still to this day don't know that I fully understand it. And it's Donnie Darko. Wake up. Donnie. I made a new friend. Real or imaginary? I'm going to tell you a little story today about a young man whose life was completely destroyed by fear. Great pick. Yeah, so Donnie Darko, I've seen it either two or three times, and I still don't think I fully understand that movie. It's such a trip. I don't know. That's what it feels like. It feels like you're tripping watching the movie because, you know, the, the boundaries between reality and fiction kind of, you know, for the character is is hard to distinguish it's just all around a a, a tough movie to, to digest but it's a great movie this is another one that deals with wormholes after narrowly escaping a bizarre accident a troubled teenager is plagued by visions of a man in a large rabbit suit who manipulates him to commit a series of crimes written and directed by richard kelly starring jake gyllenhaal jenna malone maggie gyllenhaal patrick swayze's in there another great cast it's one of those ones where I walked out feeling confused too with the wormhole stuff. And, you know, you're thinking, what the hell is going on here? And who is this seven foot tall rabbit with a metal <laughs> face named Frank? Yeah, there's a lot going on in this movie. If you've never seen Donnie Darko, watch Donnie Darko. Do not watch the director's cut, which puts it in a chronological order. Just watch the original cut. It's fantastic. It's such a good movie. My number four is from 2016. Written and directed by M. Night Shyamalan, it's called Split. What are we doing here? What the hell is going on? I was sent to get you for a reason. There's a flower on the pillows, a flower in the bathroom, like we're important. The only chance we have is if all three of us go crazy on this guy. Who is that? Maybe she can help us. Don't worry. He's not allowed to touch you. He knows what you're here for. He listens to me. 
My name's Hedwig. How old are you? Nine. Great movie. Split stars James McAvoy, Anna Taylor-Joy, and Haley Lou Richardson. Three girls are kidnapped by a man with 23 diagnosed distinct personalities. They must try to escape before the apparent emergence of a frightful new 24th personality. Now, this movie was a mind bender for me because I went in watching what I thought was a pretty straightforward movie. And then in the last three minutes, (laughs) I realized this was a completely different movie and I was in a completely different universe than I thought I was. And I could not stop thinking about, number one, how genius M. Night Shyamalan was for doing this. And number two, how risky this was. And I cannot say the twist at the end. You just have to watch it. It blew my mind. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> the, the twist in the movie is fantastic. And yeah, I can't really say any more about it other than <laughs> I loved it so much. I loved that twist. It, yeah, I hate that I can't talk more about it because I don't want to spoil it for those who haven't seen it. But yeah, it was it was fantastically done it's a good movie either way i mean it's you know it's a good performance by james mcavoy doing all these different personalities um but those last three minutes i had a friend telling me hey you need to watch split hey you need to watch split because i'm a fan of of most of Shyamalan's earlier movies and i had no idea what i was in for it just i i it blew my mind the last three minutes blew my mind so go watch split watch his earlier films first and then go watch split it's just such a risky thing that he did and, and the studio let him do. Right. Um, you know, they did not let the audience in on what was happening until the last three minutes. And I thought that was just brilliant. Yeah. My wife saw it before me and she knows how much I love some of M. Night Shyamalan's earlier works. And um, so I, I put off watching it just because when it comes to some things in psychology, I'm like, you know, the whole multiple personality thing is is kind of, I don't want to say it's overplayed, but uh, you know, sometimes it can kind of be exacerbated than what it really is. And uh, yeah, the movie standalone is fantastic. And then, you know, her saying, you know, I know how much you love all of M. Night Shyamalan's earlier stuff for not all of it, most of his earlier stuff, go watch this movie. So yeah, it was great. So good. That's split from 2016. So my number three is Requiem for a Dream. Purple in the morning, blue in the afternoon, orange in the evening. Just like that. One, two, three, four. This movie messed me up when I saw it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I've I have only seen this movie once because I don't know that I can stomach it a second time, frankly. It's such a dark movie and it's such a dive into a very realistic problem that many people deal with. And I was way too young to see it the first time. Um I, I was a teenager and I, I'll say this. You know, for those of you who don't know the plot of the movie, um, it's it essentially people's uh, battle with drugs and addiction. And I will say this, it definitely steered me away from that as a teenager. 
Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. They need to start playing this in schools because it will scare the shit out of you and you will not want to be addicted to drugs. Absolutely. It follows the stories of four different people on Coney Island and their different addictions. You've got Ellen Burstyn as one of them, Jared Leto and Marlon Wayans as a pair of them, and then Jennifer Connelly as well. And it is so, it's heartbreaking. It's powerful and it will definitely have, there's, there's several scenes in this movie that I will never forget. Yeah. It's just, it's, yeah, it's so well done. Directed by Darren Aronofsky from the year 2000. It's unforgettable and you will feel that pain that they're feeling. Absolutely. I feel like I need to take a shower afterwards. It's just such a heavy, dark movie, but yeah, no nail on the head. It's something that, you know, it, maybe when my kids are older teenagers, you know, when they can handle some of the, the more heavy subject matter of the movie, you know, I might, Hey, watch this. This will show you what addiction is like, because I feel like, um, I guess just for full disclosure, my dad is actually runs a rehabilitation center. And so I've seen firsthand what addiction looks like up close. And that movie is a pretty accurate depiction of what some people actually deal with when they deal with, especially the heavier stuff that they get into. It's, it's tragic. It's heartbreaking, but it's uh yeah, it can be a wake up call for people. My number three is from 2016. It's a movie called arrival. There are days that define your story beyond your life. Like the day they arrived. I'm Colonel G.T. Webber from Army Intelligence. Pack your bags. You're at the top of everyone's list when it comes to translations. Priority one, what do they want? Where are they from? You'll be reporting to me, but you'll be working with him when you're in the show. That's what they call him, the UFO. Who's being carted off in the medevac? Not everyone is wired for what you're about to do. So what do they look like? You'll see soon enough. Every 18 hours, a door opens up. That's where we go in. First off, it's directed by Denis Villeneuve. It's written by Eric Heisserer, and it stars Amy Adams, Jeremy Renner, Forrest Whitaker, and Michael Stolbarg. It's about a linguist who is recruited by the military to come communicate when alien life forms have 12 mysterious spacecrafts that touch down around the world. She is uh, brought along to see if she can communicate with them. This is a great movie on so many levels. The direction is immaculate. The They even built a language for the aliens, like an actual language in wow. pictures. And yeah, it's so it's a it's a really cool study of language. The screenplay is to it's one of those screenplays where every single line is important. There's no wasted breath. It's a great movie about how you communicate. It's a great movie about miscommunication and it shows how we're connected through things like memories. There's a couple things in here that left me thinking about it when I left the theater. The first is that there is a kind of a time travel aspect. So you have to figure out why these aliens are here, what they want. That that part is kind of mind bending, but there's a twist near the end that I, I won't get into, but when I left the theater, it's the thought is, if I knew what that person knew, would I make the same choice? 
right. is one thing worth it for this other pain? And oh, it's it's one of those movies that my wife won't watch because she knows she's going to get too emotional mm-hmm. just from what I've told her. And yeah, I can't, I can't even say more without spoiling it. Um, <laughs> go watch Arrival. It's such a great movie. Uh, like I said, on all levels, the music, the, the cinematography, the acting, it's so good. Go watch Arrival from 2016. You'll be talking about it afterwards. I, you know, I need to. And funny enough, you talk about the music from it is I've heard. So I'm a big classical music guy and uh, I love I'm a musician. So, oh, cool. I listen to a, a lot of cinema scores. Just sometimes I'll throw on like a cinema score playlist on Spotify. And I've heard some of the music from the movie and it's fantastic. So I know that part of it at least will intrigue me, if nothing else. Yeah, uh, Johan Johannesson, the uh, same guy who did Sicario's yep. score, did the music. And that's for this. another great movie. Yeah. All right, what are we at? Number two. So number two, the butterfly effect. Remember when we were kids and I used to have those blackouts? Well, some of those memories have been coming back to me. There are moments in life we choose to remember. Do you think that we'll be together forever? <laughs> and some memories <laughs> we can never forget. All I know is that by reading these journals, I might be able to get Kaylee back. I'd think twice about what you're doing. You could wake up a lot more messed up than you are now. Ah! I haven't seen myself like this before. But what if you could go back in time? You are completely relaxed. Think of it like a movie. You can pause, rewind, or slow down. Could you save the one person that mattered the most? It's another one of those heavier movies, but it's got a lot of real-world implications in when you really break down the, uh, the whole plot of the movie. This guy who is able to travel throughout time and alter different decisions that he makes. And through that, he's able to see the repercussions of these different decisions that he's made and see how life as he knows it changes throughout these different decisions. And that's about as vague as I can get because I don't want to spoil anything in the movie. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's an absolutely great movie. Yeah. It stars uh, Ashton Kutcher and Amy Smart. Have you seen the director's cut of this, like the the um, alternate endings for this by chance? I think I have, but it's been so long. Um, I've I've recently watched the original cut again, but it's been it's been a while since I've seen the director's cut. But I, I do remember it being kind of crazy, like, oh, wow. You know, that's that's a lot different. Yeah, it was it was really dark and worth worth looking for the disc for the butterfly effect so you can see all the different endings because there are a couple of different endings. And uh, yeah, it's it's always been a debate between me and my friends about which one they should have used, because I actually think that the one that is on the disc is kind of powerful. And and uh, I think that one should have been used. Right. I think I I think I remember now that I'm, I'm really thinking about it. Yeah. Because I, I want to say that me and a few friends watched that together and we kind of agreed that the, though maybe not as pleasing, the director's cut ending was more powerful, had more weight behind it. So that's the butterfly effect from 2004. My number two, 
is another moral dilemma. This one is from 2007. It's a movie called Gone Baby Gone. Elaine puts her to bed. She goes across to Dottie's, then she comes home and Amanda is gone. Who would take my little girl? She never hurt anybody. A four-year-old child is on the street. If we don't catch the abductor by day one, only about 10% are ever solved. This is day three. Do you know people in the neighborhood who don't talk to the police? One or two. We want to hire you to augment the investigation. I just want my daughter back. It's all right, we're going to find her. You have to promise me. I promise. <laughs> you ever investigated an abduction before? I think Mr. McCready was hoping that we could help with the neighborhood aspect of this investigation. Half the guys you know are degenerates. And you know what the other half are? What? Cops. Don't hold it against me. Guess who? You asked me to find some people for you. I think I found them. Are you saying you didn't do it? Fine. If it turns out you're lying, I'm gonna bribe cops to go after you, and I'm gonna tell everyone I know that you're a CIA and a rat. And I know a lot of people. Directed by Ben Affleck, starring Casey Affleck, Michelle Monaghan, Amy Ryan, Morgan Freeman, Ed Harris, and Titus Welliver. Story about two Boston-area private detectives who are investigating a little girl's kidnapping which ultimately turns into a crisis, both professionally and personally. Casey Affleck plays Patrick Kenzie, a guy who uses his connections and knowledge of the streets of Boston to crack cases that the cops can't crack. Now, this movie is Ben Affleck's directorial debut. This movie really got me excited about his career. It's so well directed. Right. It's a really good crime movie. I believe it's based on a Dennis Lehane novel. It is. It's a good movie. And then at the end, there's this moral dilemma that will have you debating this for days on end. What would you do? Right. It, so I had actually read the book previous to the movie coming out. So I kind of knew what to expect. The movie's, you know, slightly different than the book, as, as it always is. But even still, seeing it on the big screen is different. It's just something about the visuals of it. It was... Yeah, it was a it was a solid movie. Yeah, I remember walking out of the theater and everybody walking out of the theater is having the exact same conversation. What would you do? There's no black and white. Everything is gray. Right. And the decision that he has to make at the end is impossibly tough. So watch this. Watch Gone Baby Gone and have that conversation with a friend, with your partner, and compare notes on what you would do, because it will leave you talking about it. All right, top of the list. What is your number one movie mindbender? So my number one actually came down to essentially two movies. And it was between kind of, so you talking about Gone Baby Gone and, and The Moral Dilemma. I, if you don't mind, I'll give the two and I'll tell you which one I ended up picking. Um, it came down to Prisoners, which was uh, the, the movie with Hugh Jackman. It, it was a very moral dilemma movie for me and it kind of left me feeling sick to my stomach afterwards. But yep. when I said this list was kind of movies that ultimately affected me. I guess in in a in a lifelong sense, this is a, a little deeper cut. But the movie was a Stanford Prison Experiment. Would you rather be a guard or a prisoner? I don't think I have the qualities to be a guard. Prisoner, prisoner, I guess. 
Prisoner. Sounds like it would be a little less work. Prisoner. What's that? Nobody likes guards. Good afternoon, gentlemen. This experiment will be an extension of my research into the effects prisons can have on human behavior. You're gonna be pleased to know that you all have been chosen to be the prison guards. But under no circumstances whatsoever are you to physically assault the prisoners in any way. So remember, just as you were watching the prisoners, my graduate staff and I will be watching you. The Stanford Prison Experiment is actually a, it's based on a real experiment that was done back in the 70s in, in Stanford by a psychiatrist or a psychologist named uh, Philip Zimbardo. And being a, a psychology major, being a guy who really loves just the brain and the mind and how it works, I, you know, I've long studied this experiment and know the implications of the experiment. But seeing it on film, it's another one of those things that when you actually see it, it has a different weight to it. Um, this is one that I've been meaning to see, but uh, just haven't been able to see. I am familiar with the experiment, and there are you know many different variants of that experiment out there. But it's kind of a, a view into what society tells you you're supposed to be when you're of a certain status. Right, and it, it really dives into the psyche of what humans are capable of when put in positions of authority or put into certain positions where they have the capability to abuse those that they have power over. And it's really kind of scary how easily people can be manipulated by someone else in power. And the, I don't want to say alpha male, but, uh, but essentially, someone who is willing to take charge and say, okay, you know, we're doing it my way, if they are someone who's toxic and they are someone who's bad or willing to abuse authority, it's kind of scary how easy people will just accept it, maybe even participate in it, because this person has shown that, okay, I'm the leader, I'm the alpha person in the situation. And not only that, from the other side of the spectrum, it's kind of insane how much abuse people were willing to take just because they were told, hey, this person is a, in a position of authority, so you have to listen to them. And even though, and I don't want to spoil the movie, but it's a pretty pretty widely known uh, experiment, but yeah, even though they were told, like, you can leave, you can go at any point if you, if you don't want to participate in this anymore these people were enduring so much abuse and essentially torture, but because that switch in their head flipped that, okay, these guys have a position of authority over me and they just stayed and took it. It's crazy. This one's from 2015, uh, directed by Kyle Patrick Alvarez, written by Tim Talbot and Philip Zimbardo and stars Billy Crudup as the doctor. You've also got Nick Braun, Keir Gilchrist, uh, Ty Sheridan's in there, and then Ezra Miller. When you talked about prisoners before, prisoners almost made my list too. That was yeah. like, I was so close to make it. I love that movie, another uh, Denis Villeneuve movie. But my number one is actually another Ezra Miller movie. So Ezra Miller was number one on yours, and his movie's number one on mine as well. Oh, wow. It's from 2011. We need to talk about Kevin. 
day It's a getting closer Going faster than a roller coaster Love like yours will sweep up my way You just have to rock him a little bit. Could you say mommy? No. Shouldn't he be talking by now? I wouldn't worry about it. No! He's just a boy. Just a sweet little boy. Just because you're used to something doesn't mean you like it. You're used to me. Great shot, Kevin. You're a natural. First he cries too much, then he's too quiet. And you see it as some kind of personal vendetta? You think I'm exaggerating? Listen, buddy, it's easy to misunderstand when you hear it out of context. Why would I not know the context? Oh, man. Written and directed by Lynn Ramsey, starring Tilda Swinton, John C. Riley, and Ezra Miller as Kevin. This movie is a parent's worst nightmare. Mm-hmm. Kevin's mother struggles to love her strange child, despite the increasingly dangerous things he says and does as he grows up. But Kevin is just getting started, and his final act will be beyond anything anyone imagined. So I saw this movie before I was a parent. I couldn't imagine watching it now. Oh, man. It's a horror movie, but it's unlike most horror movies because most horror movies are based in the supernatural or the fanatical or the insane. And this is way more realistic. I think that the term I heard used once is this not a horror movie. This is a horrific movie, right? The movie starts out after Kevin has done what he did. And then it goes back to uh, the the start of these parents played by Tilda Swinton and John C. Riley having this this son and it goes through, you know, your postpartum depression and then it goes through your frustrations as a new parent, which now I, you know, I totally get because I have a, a two year old. Right. There's a scene where, you know, she's standing next to somebody drilling just to drown out the noise of this baby crying. Yeah. And I know as a parent, you you have kids as well. You have these moments where it's like, what is my kid doing? Like, what is going through my kid's head right now? And you're you know, you're worried. And in, in some part of your mind is saying, well, this is normal. It's just kid stuff. But the other part of your mind thinks, well, what if my kid turns out like Kevin? Yeah, absolutely. It's, and it's tough. You know, one of the most true quotes I've ever heard is that none of us know what we're doing as parents. We're just trying to mess our children up as little as possible. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I go back to this movie sometimes and I'm like, I know that I'm giving my kids a love and affection. I know that I'm giving them what they need, but am I giving them enough of it? Am I providing them what they, they really fully wholly need? Because yeah, it's every parent's worst nightmare to think of something like this happening. And, you know, we think of the realities of, okay, well, I don't want my kids to end up on drugs. I don't want my kids to, you know, end up alcohol dependent. I don't want them to end up, you know, not feeling loved. But when you really take it to the extreme of what happens in this movie, then it kind of, yeah, it gives you that existential crisis as a parent, like, oh my God, I, what can I do to stop this from happening, you know, to my child? It's powerful for anybody, but if you're a parent, you, you have to watch this movie and just think, this is the result for some people. Like, in real life, this is a result for some people. And that, to me, is one of the most terrifying types of movies you can see. 
That's we need to talk about Kevin from 2011. Man, that one stuck with me and will stick with me for the rest of my life. Yeah. And, you know, it was great seeing John C. Riley in this movie in, in such a serious role and really just knocking it out of the park. Yeah, that man can act. If you get him, get him the right script and the right director, he can uh, he can act. Absolutely. So I know you said Prisoners was kind of one of your honorable mentions. Did you have any other honorable mentions that were close to making your list? The name is escaping me right now, and I might would have put it on my list if I could have uh, remembered the name of the movie. Um, but it's a it's a documentary, and it's essentially about this this baby and kind of the fight for um dear zachary yes oh my yes gosh. it almost made my list too that movie i don't even know how to describe what i felt after watching that movie i don't know that there's a word for the emotion i felt <laughs> while watching that movie and i think what made it worse and um you know, I can admit I was actually gone for some training. So I was away from my family already and I knew I was going to be gone for about two months and it had been about a month. So I'm really starting to miss my wife and kids. And I don't know what compelled me to put this movie on, but I did. And I sat on this bed in this hotel room and I cried so hard <laughs> watching that movie. Oh my God. Yeah. It, it was, it's a, great movie but it is a miserable experience it is yeah that movie was powerful so dear zachary almost made my list too and the only reason it didn't is because i did not want to go back and revisit it or watch clips from it or research it it is one of the most frustrating movie experiences i've ever had when you started talking about it and i said that name like goosebumps went up on my arm yeah when you say you were in a hotel bed crying, I had a near identical experience because my friend told me, hey, you got to watch this this documentary. It's called Dear Zachary, A Letter to a Boy from His Father. Don't read anything about it. Just watch it. And I didn't have kids yet. I sat down and I watched it. And this is the first movie where I was I was watching it by myself. I was watching it at the kitchen table and I was ugly crying at the kitchen table it's the hardest I've ever cried during a movie. It was, it, it evoked emotions that I have not had while watching films. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's a different, it's of a different breed. It is, um, man. The only other also ran that I had was one that made your list. And that was Donnie Darko. It's uh, just a great mind bending movie. Yeah. It's not nearly as uncomfortable as a watch as dear Zachary, but you know, I feel like Donnie Darko is, is almost an uncomfortable watch just because of the, the uncertainty of everything. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, um, Hey Jesse, thanks for coming on. Um, you Thank know, you why should, why should people switch this podcast off right now and then go listen to the manly matters podcast? Give us your pitch on the manly matters podcast. Oh, good question. Well, I think the whole purpose behind Manly Matters is I just want to help. I've I've always been kind of just the, the helper type person that my wife will tell you a fixer type person because, you know, I may not be the great at just sitting and listening. I want to fix everything. But, you know, it comes from a, a, a genuine place and that I hope my listeners can hear it. But 
this podcast started as an idea to help not only myself become a better father and become a better man in my journey, but I also want my sons to be able to one day listen to it and, and become better themselves. And, you know, I hope that it resonates with them. And so through that, I said, you know, I I have connections with people and I know people that have a lot to offer. So why not just be that conduit to, not only hoard this information for myself and my sons, but give it to anybody that it could help and give it to anybody that, you know, can benefit and grow themselves. So through this, I've met some amazing people that have come on and, and I've actually got several recorded that are extremely powerful and I don't pull any punches. You know, I'm, I'm not scared to talk about any particular topics. If you go over and you look at the episode with uh, Leah Spasova, you'll see that nothing's off limits. Um, but, you know, I just, like I said, I just want to help. And I hope that I hope that I'm accomplishing that. So Manly Matters, check it out. I appreciate you giving me the time to pitch it. Yeah, when you see a, a title like Manly Matters, like the, the first thing that I thought was, uh, is, is going to teach me how to be a man right. uh, in the traditional sense? Like, is it going to teach me how to uh, shave with a straight razor? But it's, <laughs> you know, it's not that it's teaching you how to be, how to be a man in this modern society and those problems that those problems and issues that men face. So you've got episodes on racism, you've got episodes on sex, you've got episodes on being mindful of your masculinity. And it's, it's just a really great listen. So yeah, switch over and, and uh, listen to one of those and uh, subscribe. Well, I really appreciate that. And you know, that's, that's some of the feedback that I've gotten about the title. And funny enough, it was my wife who came up with the title. I, I struggled for so long you know, thinking of what I could call it because I don't want to turn people off. That's the thing that I don't want to do is I don't want anyone to say, okay, well, this is probably just a, you know, chest beating, you know, man circle or they're, you know, praising their own masculinity. And it's really not that. Um, I wanted to make sure people understood that it's not just some, you know, misogynist place. And that actually I, I try my best to give, advice that's holistic that women can take from it as well. And, and, you know, in society today, well, I don't want to dive too much into all this and take up all your time. Um, but, you know, talking about the, the, the spectrums of masculinity and femininity and that, you know, there are women out there who are extremely masculine and that's completely cool. And a lot of these traits, you know, go towards them. There's men out there who are more feminine than masculine. And, you know, there's topics that I talk about that's for them as well. So, um, also having a daughter, you know, it's just one of those things where I said, I want her to be able to listen to this and take something out of it. So I always come with that mindset as well. So hopefully it's for everybody. Yeah, that's great. You're, you're doing a good thing there. And I've listened to a couple of them and, uh, I took something from each one. Well, I appreciate that. Well, remember anybody can be a guest on this show. The only requirement is that you love movies. If you have a five list that you want to cover with me, email me directly at force5podcast at gmail.com or head to the website force5podcast.com, which has a show request form and other Force 5 related content. Until next time, watch movies.
Well, remember, anybody can be a guest on this show. The only requirement is that you love movies. If you have a five list that you want to cover with me, email me directly at force5podcast at gmail.com or head to the website force5podcast.com, which has a show request form and other Force 5 related content. Until next time, watch movies. What I need is a woman who can think and fight and chew gum at the same time. <laughs> Force 5.